beautiful people and welcome back in Home in a Teacup, the podcast in which we're trying to understand the feeling of home to conversations around the topics of cultural identity, nationality, languages and travel. In today's episode, Grace shares the reasons which led her to become a lectrice in France, that is to say, a university teaching assistant. She also dives into some aspects of her life back in Ireland, making us understand her culture as well as the similarities and differences with the one she has now become accustomed with. Before starting, I'd like to say that I am not a native English speaker, so mistakes can and will probably be made. Do not forget to subscribe if you like this episode and wish to hear more fascinating conversations like this one. And you can follow Home in a Teacup on Instagram if you want to be updated with the latest news. Hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> can you please introduce yourself? Oh, first, welcome on Home in a Teacup. <laughs> can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Grace. I'm 23. I'm from Ireland. And I am your lecturer at university. <laughs> That's right. The first question I wanted to ask you was, why did you choose to come to France in the first place? Ooh, that is a good question. <clears throat> well, um, I studied French for my bachelor's degree. Um, and it was kind of a minor subject. My main subject was human rights and politics. But I decided to take French with it because um, actually I, I'm not really a linguistic person or I wouldn't consider myself a linguistic mm. person. But um, in secondary school, in my final year in secondary school and my final semester, my French teacher changed and she basically like my original teacher was on maternity leave. And so for the last semester, we had a substitute. And she was just amazing. And she basically just turned, like she helped me incre in increase my grade by like five grades. And I just made me realize that like, it isn't, sometimes it's not just, oh, I'm not a linguistic person. It's sometimes it's the teacher and mm. sometimes it's the atmosphere that you're learning in. And I put so much work into my French in when I was 18, just like leaving school that when I started my bachelor's degree, I was kind of like, well, I can't stop now. And so <laughs> I decided to keep it up just as like a, a secondary subject. Mm. Um, and that was fun. But in the year that I was supposed to do Erasmus, it was obviously COVID. So when I finally finished my degree and I had this piece of paper that said I have a degree in French, even though I just basically can speak French in a classroom and get past exams or whatever, but I don't have, you know, I'm not actually a French mm. speaker. Um, I, I just felt like a fraud. I was like, I have this piece of paper that tells, tells me, tells the world that I can speak French, but I've never even lived in France. And so, yeah, there was this opportunity that came up where we can do the exchange with universities in France mm. to be like a language assistant or do conversation classes. And I thought that is a great opportunity and I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you choose Lorient in particular or was it just... Yes, actually. Um, there was kind of a list of six universities and you would put them in priority and Lorient was my first one. For which reason? That is also a good question. <laughs> actually, it was because, for a few reasons, um, my lectrice in my last year of university was a girl from Lorient and we became really good friends and she basically just kind of told me all the cool things about this place and... Um, yeah basically she just gave me a really good idea or gave me a really good impression of this place and um 
yeah and then when I kind of looked into it it's kind of a nice small coastal city mm. and I had been living in Galway for five years which or for four years which is it's I think it's a sister city with Lorient or it, it definitely has some cultural connections I think it is mm-hmm. I think Galway yeah. is a sister city because they always talk about it yeah so I just yeah I liked the idea of living by the sea and kind of I've never lived in a really big city before like a proper a proper city and I was kind of scared of you know it's one big step to move abroad mm. for the first time it's a second big it step is. to live in a big city for the first time and I was like mm, I don't know if I'm going to do them both at the same time <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that was that was kind of the initial reason and I just I love to live by the sea as well I've never lived more than a kilometer away from the sea so because Galway is near the sea yeah it's right on the sea yeah okay so are you disappointed with your choice or I no. well I mean I don't believe in regret (laughs) I agree with that (laughs) yeah so I think it would have been it might have been interesting or different to live somewhere else but I no I definitely think this was this was a good choice yeah yeah um especially I think one of my favorite things even if <clears throat> excuse me oh god <laughs> um despite whatever kind of cultural differences or challenges there are with living in a new country being by the sea to me is just so important and mm. I love the coastline here it's so amazing I love just hopping on a bus and just going up the coast and seeing the different places and going for swims and stuff and you don't have as big of a, a a sea swimming culture here, but there are some maniacs who get in, and I'm one of them. <laughs> in in your in your swimming togs in November, <laughs> I, I actually do that as well, but okay. I'm the only one. Yeah, okay. We're if I want to go, together. I have to be on my own. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to come with me. <laughs> I mean, last year it was like 20 degrees at the same period of time, so we kind of went swimming a year ago. Mm-hmm. all together from that the was university the last time. Fair. yes okay yeah I mean not the last time it was in June but like for March we yeah. never go to the sea in March mm. usually because it's very cold yeah it's very good for the blood pressure though it's great it's I'm <laughs> such a fan of sea swimming and um yeah even you know I've been participating in um surfing with the university and do you do that yeah yeah um but I was so surprised and disappointed that in February it was cancelled because it was or not cancelled but like it didn't restart yes. until March and I was kind of asking people why why is this and they all looked like looked at me like I was crazy and they were just yeah. like because it's <laughs> freezing and I was like oh okay well that's fine I suppose <laughs> <laughs> because there's always a winter truce like even for sailing we have to stop in the winter yeah I guess for sailing if it's stormy it makes sense but I think it's mostly for the water for the cold yeah yeah <laughs> French people <laughs> that is one of the well I mean I would say a cultural difference but there is a you know the Irish people are sane as well you know not everyone wants to get into the sea um. but where I lived in Galway there's a very big sea swimming culture because the the kind of there's this beautiful promenade that goes right from kind of the end of the city out to the coast and mm. you kind of walk along it and then there's a big diving tower at the end called Black Rock Diving Tower and um it's just this ritual you all like all the time you're sorry how do I say this <laughs> this is what I mean about my English melting <laughs> so, <laughs> cut this so part bad. out <laughs> but <clears throat> all seasons all weather you'll see people out there and it's yeah it's great it's a lot of fun oh do you miss it 
that particular aspect yes definitely it's no. it's very fun there's like um a great culture of you know if you're on a night out the night before and uh you know the kind of stereotype of making a drunken plan with someone that you don't intend on keeping yes and it's always we'll go for a swim in the morning and there's always <laughs> that one dedicated crazy person who's calling people up at 10 a.m being like are you ready sunday morning let's go for a swim and you're just oh why did i why did i commit to that but then you go and it cures everything and you feel amazing oh do you wear a swimsuit when you go swimming yes just just a swimsuit when i was in the winter lockdown how whenever that was 2020 uh, 2020 yeah. 2020 yes um I was going kind of every day because it was it was a grim it was a grim time and it was really helping and yeah. there was a nice group of us that would go um and when you go every day I started wearing like boots for my poor little toes you know like boots. wetsuit yes. neoprene boots just yeah. to so my feet didn't fall off was it that cold yes yes excruciatingly painful but afterwards you feel amazing (laughs) yeah do you have this tradition um i know that sometimes we do that in france on the first of january to go for the first swim first of january and on christmas day as well and on christmas day Mm. well it depends i think one fam like it depends on the family maybe one family will be christmas day swimmers and a different family would be new year's day swimmers but there's both and there's very funny scenes of a big group of people at the local beach all in santa hats going for a swim in their swimming togs (laughs) (laughs) but you do the christmas or the new year's day one here i mean I do it. Right. <laughs> this year I was alone doing it. I, I tried to persuade my flatmate to come with me, but he did not want to. So <laughs> I was just on my own. <laughs> yeah, he had some sense. Mate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it depends great. who you ask. Yeah, I think so. Here, people don't really swim in the winter, mm. nor in spring. Usually they just wait until the summer. And even during the summer, not that many people swim because mm. it's very cold. Yeah, especially here, it is quite cold. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that it can be cold as well in Ireland. Yes, it is very cold all the time. <laughs> but that's great. Let's go for a swim. <laughs> I think there's something nice about it, um, especially in the winter when things are a bit mm. dark and a bit grim, to just really embrace it and mm. go all in, literally plunge yourself into this cold atmosphere uh-huh. and then come back inside and have a lovely cup of tea and you just feel great <laughs> such a success you know and An you just feel energized mm. like that one thing the core just mm. wakes you up and makes you feel alive yeah so i think that's great mm-hmm. yeah no i love it <laughs> <laughs> did you experience any culture shock here very strong culture shock the strongest oh two okay i have two two they're really not that strong <laughs> um the first being the the bees uh, the the bees like when you meet Um, someone uh, yes so yes how can we say that in english i don't think like kisses just embracing (laughs) yeah kind yeah just the embrace the, the greeting the greeting people by kisses and especially because the divide between the people you do greet with kisses are normally the people you don't know that well and yes. then the people that you do know that well you don't do it with and that to me was a very difficult line to navigate yeah. because I do not want to kiss these people <laughs> that I don't know that well but they're the people who expect me to kiss them the most yeah. um, so yes that has been interesting I'm kind of getting used to it now um, but yeah so that that was definitely the most awkward one mm. to come up against 
um, which is so inconsequential. So, you know, my life is no, pretty It's easy. very hard when you're in a, in a foreign country to know how to greet people, how mm-hmm. to say hi. Yeah. And that for me, hugging is very natural. So when I'm in Scotland, I like hugging people. Mm. But here, it's, even here as a French person, you don't always know how to greet people. Mm. You're like, uh, should we kiss? Should we, should we not? Yeah. Should we hug? <laughs> and I heard that after COVID, it kind of changed a little bit. And it so, became even weirder. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know, people don't want to have bad chicks against exactly. yours. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to just stand in the doorway and say, hi, come in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Mm. But yeah, I've, I'm, I'm quite a... a fumbling bumbling greeter when people yeah. come to me to kiss my cheek and I always end up just bonking my head against them <laughs> I'm just like oh sorry I'm, I'm foreign <laughs> mm. and what's the second one then and the second one is the ghostly hours between 2 30 and 7 p.m where you can't get anything to eat <laughs> you can eat if you want to (laughs) I know you can eat but in general like it's like if you haven't eaten by 2 30 good luck goodbye obviously you can go to Mm. like a bakery and get a sandwich or something but if you want to sit in and have a late lunch impossible Mm. everyone's like no we're closed goodbye good luck enjoy your life see you at seven (laughs) but we have the snacks I mean we have that break yes exactly so I've developed a sweet tooth (laughs) <laughs> because you didn't like sweet before well no I I did I, I did but um normally if I wanted a small piece of food to tie me over into the evening oh. it would be something savory and so but here the common thing especially when you meet up with someone and it's kind of like oh we get a little snack it's always like a cookie and a hot chocolate and um yes whipped cream and this that and mm. it's lovely it's decadent and it's woo but <laughs> I mean I think I need to go to the dentist when I get home <laughs> really <laughs> Well, I mean, probably because it's been a year, so, but, <laughs> also, but also because of the sweets. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's not that sweet here compared to English-speaking countries. Like we, okay. the bakeries we eat, the pastries mm-hmm. we eat, we have less sugar in them mm, Yeah, compared to the UK and Ireland. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's also just nicer because Is when it? you, when you, well, I mean, the bakeries, come on. Yeah, I know, I know. I kind of miss them when I go abroad, but... <laughs> oh. Like nothing compares. That's, <laughs> I had to. I had to make a rule with myself when I first moved here that I'm only allowed to go once a week. <laughs> once a week, as in to get a proper, like a lovely tart and yeah, and like all these different mm. pastries. Um, and on Sundays, I love to do that. I think it's. I think it's so nice because I really was. I mean, every day it's crazy. I was gonna roll home. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I feel like we take it for granted. Mm. a lot but it's just when you're used to eating croissant every morning to eat pain au chocolat mm. <laughs> and all the things it's just it's so great yeah no that is definitely even though it sounds so simple and so obvious that is one of my favorite things about here yeah, <laughs> yeah. so specifically to the area in Lorient I love the coast I love the small city I love the vibe but just in general in France oh, the pastries it's just why not <laughs> do you try to visit much um, I've done a few trips. Um, mm-hmm. I have friends in Van that I would go to visit, so that's quite close, and it's really beautiful, and it kind of um, scratches that medieval itch that I yes. have because mm-hmm. obviously Lorient isn't really much to look at. No, <laughs> obviously, there's the, the coast, and there's some you know interesting places to see, but it's more about the experience here. Mm. But if you 
Yeah, that's the train we're hearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you really just want to walk around tiny little alleyways oh. and cobblestone streets, Van, the centre of Van is so pretty. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is not really pretty. I don't know if you know why it's built that way. I have heard of the history, yes. Uh, the bombing and everything. Mm. It's, it's quite interesting. I mean, I did hear um, someone was giving me like a kind of casual but very informative tour of the city mm. and he was telling me about how some of the buildings I don't know if you're familiar with um I'm gonna say this so terribly Hotel Gabriel Hotel Gabriel yes yeah that was great yeah um I haven't been there it's basically a big kind of sandstone building it's one of the like it looks quite historical mm. um but he was telling me that if you look at it the the bottom layer of bricks is darker than the rest of them and it's because those are actually the original bricks and they rebuilt it to look mm. historical even after yeah. it was demolished in the war which mm. is quite interesting so you can kind of walk around the city and see little clues of what used to be there and you know yes but actually the neighborhood here we don't really see it here but it's one of the only neighborhoods that survived the bombing. Okay. The bombing. So it's very pretty. And it is. All. Yeah. I was just saying that when I arrived. Yeah. yeah the gra- the granite. Is mm-hmm. that how you say granite, it? Yeah. yeah. It's very lovely. And we don't really have this in Lorient. And mm. I wish the whole city was still like that. Yeah. It's not. And they did not have enough money to just rebuild it mm. beautifully because Samalo and not Brest. Samalo was rebuilt exactly the same way because they okay. had the money. Nice. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. But Brest and Lorient, no, no, mm. definitely not. <laughs> yeah, so I have enjoyed kind of visiting nearby cities in mm. Brittany that have that nice old vibe. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I went to Paris um, for a weekend. It was, kind of a, find it. it was kind of a bad time to go. There was a lot of trash everywhere. <laughs> was it during the strike? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. It smelled very bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was it was interesting, you know, that in it's an enriching cultural experience. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Did you feel yes. the Emily in Paris mm-hmm. vibe? um sure yes <laughs> actually we, d- we did we got a very beautiful apartment that had a view of the sacre Coeur in Montmartre so Whoa, okay, yeah and it was lit it. up in the evenings and we could just sit on the couch and look at it it was yeah it was okay nice. not everyone has that kind of flat in Paris <laughs> I know yeah I was looking around being like how can I steal this flat off this Airbnb person <laughs> But did you actually watch the show Million in Paris oh, I couldn't get through the first episode I'm sorry unpopular opinion do no. French people like it not really okay I mean yeah. I watched it but mostly for the love story mm-hmm. because it's very intense and you want to know where it's going but yeah. it's like the third season and nothing has happened yet so oh, okay well yeah. you're not inspiring me to watch it no. <laughs> But I wanted to know that that would have been quite interesting to know how, as a foreign person, mm-hmm. you would have, what would be your opinion on the series, which mm. is very cliche. Yes. Well, I feel mm. like I'm trying to ha- like not have too hot of a take. Mm. Um, <laughs> I feel as though maybe e- European people would have a little bit more of a nuanced knowledge of french culture to know at least okay this is very stereotypical (laughs) and maybe an american audience would see it as oh how french of them oh wow i don't know everyone is so nice everyone speaks english as well (laughs) yeah yeah so i don't know i think maybe when i was watching it at least i kind of rolled my eyes and was thinking this is so 
This is yeah. a bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not supposed to say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very cliché. Yeah. yeah. Did you actually have any... Cli- had any cliché before coming on the French people? Like, in mind? Yes. I suppose there is the general cliché of, you know, being quite direct and forward about, you know, not, not sugarcoating things. Um, really? Yes. Do we have this cliché? Well, not in Brittany, no. I think as a region, I found it very, like, people here... Well, I think we're quite kindred, like, Irish and Brittany people. I felt yes. quite at home here, like, how people approach mm. social situations and just general, the atmosphere is really kindred. I think it's... Mm. it's kind of home away from home the way that people they're very open and warm and um, so that instantly decimated that cliche mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. I didn't <clears throat> know we were known to be direct I know I am very blunt I tend to be <laughs> me personally but I, no. <laughs> my friends tell me that I'm mm. too blunt sometimes okay so I didn't know that it was kind of a French thing Yeah, I mean, maybe I might. It mightn't be a general thing. I think it's just whatever I've picked up from a few movies. And, oh you know. yes, yeah. Which movies? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. Ha- I can't cite them. <laughs> it's um, it's this isn't uh, what's baseless. It's a baseless claim. Mm. <laughs> You just have to believe me. But hey, listen. Yeah, I believe you, I believe you. It's, it's, it doesn't exist anymore. I, I don't believe that anymore. Wow. So, yeah. so we kind of changed your way of seeing French exactly. people. Yeah, a really That's cultural experience. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment, as you know, we have a lot of strikes in France. Mm. What do you think about that as oh an Irish person? <laughs> yeah. I was sitting in the pub the other night and to my right, I was talking to a man to my right for a little while. And I was talking to a man to my left for a little while. And when I say two people could not share more different opinions. Really? And I was really hoping they wouldn't overhear each other explaining their opinions to me. Like, this wasn't at the same time. You know, it was yes. 20 minutes later, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, so, and it was the first time I realized the issue is, a, like, divisive. Which sounds insane because it's obviously a very politicized yes. issue. There's a lot of feelings. Mm. Um, but I think just the the atmosphere and people that I've been around are quite pro strike mm. and it was the first time that I had sat next to someone that was like no no that needs to stop and I was like oh okay interesting, <laughs> interesting. um my opinion is I'm not going to get too political about it but I think it's I think okay I'll say it from a, a foreignist perspective Irish people we don't protest enough and mm. I think The French get a bad rap for being kind of, oh, they're up in arms every time you breathe in Parliament or this yeah. kind of thing. But I think how else are you supposed to engage in your the running of your country? And, you know, mm. you can't say, you know, you really can't say they didn't try. <laughs> yes. Mm. So I think it's it's cool. I think it's a completely different attitude towards running a country and it's really engaged and involved, which I'm impressed by. Even if it's scary and there was tear gas outside my apartment a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was kind of whooping them from behind, safe, safely behind glass. <laughs> Looking at the strike, the protest mm-hmm. from your apartment. Yeah, because I live quite centrally. So it pass, every time there is one, it passes by my, oh, my so place. Yeah, so I, I feel quite involved. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But isn't it weird... Like to see, especially because we're striking a lot these mm. days, like nearly twice a week, I think. Yeah, completely. Three yeah. times a week sometimes. So isn't it 
weird to have like the whole country stopped yes. for a whole day. Especially when you need to travel. I had actually the day that the, do you remember that it was a couple of Thursdays ago, there was the fire outside of the police station and yes. the big, like a very big. Yes, I stayed in my apartment. I was supposed to go yeah. out and I saw that. And I, it was no. like a protest slash verging on riot mm. <laughs> and um I was traveling that day I had to go home to Ireland and I oh. was terrified I ended up having to get because obviously my train was cancelled and yes. all these things um, it was quite funny it was quite a um, a patchwork journey to the airport I had to get a lift from someone to Lanister and then I had to get a a blah blah car from Lanaster to the airport and it was I mean it was quite funny but if it hadn't worked out I was quite stressed that the police were going to I don't know stop me somewhere and delay mm. my journey so because I'm kind of in the process of moving home to Ireland and I'm going to be doing a few trips back and forth over the next month I'm kind of nervous oh. to um you know be held up by these um these you know the country coming to yes. a halt so you, you're doing like return trips to get yourself settled at home in Ireland? Well, not many, no, just two, but just, <laughs> because, <laughs> um, just because I've, I guess, two, this is boring. I, I have two suitcases, two suitcases, that's it. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> you can cut this part out, it's not interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, everything is interesting in this conversation. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> now, the very important <clears throat> question. Oh my God. Oh, very important. Did you get any homesickness when you came here? That is a good question. Not, I wouldn't describe it as homesickness. I think mm. I, I've traveled a lot. Um, I've never lived abroad for like a longer period of time, but I've traveled a lot and I feel quite, I can make myself at home in various contexts that's hmm. um a skill I would pride myself in wow. um <laughs> but I think the closest I would have gotten to homesickness I think would have been kind of in the November turning into December period when things were getting a little bit mm. dark and dreary and no one really was motivated to do it like it was kind of just that winter turn mm. and I was kind of asking myself kind of why am I here? What's going on? Like this, you know, but it wasn't more so to go home. It was just sort of like, what's next? Um, so that was the one time that I kind of had a bit of a shaken couple of weeks of why, what's, is this the right place to be? But it wasn't necessarily, oh, oh, Ireland, I love you so, you know. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's normal to have these challenges when you move to a new place and, yeah. um, even though it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to gather my thoughts and try and uh, articulate it, but yeah. Um, I definitely in a, on the more positive side, like the kind of inverse this semester is that I'm having such a nice time and I'm really looking forward to going back to Ireland. Like there's things that I'm just really excited to just be a part of again. Mm. But I'm actually getting kind of sad about leaving. And yeah. even when I was in Ireland a couple of weeks ago, as I was saying, I was traveling. Um, and even being in Ireland, and it was exciting just to see my friends and to be at home and stuff. But I was just thinking about you know, go, on my journey back to Lorient and thinking, this is kind of, you know, my days are counted, you know, or mm. my days are numbered. And 
So it is funny how you adapt to situations and then yeah. it's funny changing, but I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Would you consider yourself at home here or do you still see yourself as a foreigner? I definitely still see myself as a foreigner. Mm. Mm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It doesn't, it's not a no. bad feeling. It's just, no. that is it. Yeah. Like you're a fine body in a very big, how can I say that? It's very hard to put words on it because I'm yeah. trying to understand it myself. Like sometimes you're in a different culture and you feel yourself so part of the culture even though it's not yours. Mm. And sometimes you can feel that you're, it's not your culture. Like you, Do you feel that way in Scotland? I do. Mm. I, I do feel part of it even though yeah. I had never been there before. Mm. It's just, it speaks to you. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think that sometimes you just end up arriving in a country that suits you better, mm. especially depending on your personality and everything. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's why traveling is so important. Mm. And because you have these ideas of places of, oh, this country, it's like that. Mm. I've been there once for a weekend, blah, blah, blah. But then properly integrating and spending time there, you might actually find yourself there and you're kind of surprised, but feel at home. Exactly. Mm. Oh, I actually have one question. What do you think about the French food? Apart from bakeries. Yes, you know, that's the question. The bakeries, fantastic. <laughs> Love. Um, <laughs> I've had, oh, and the galettes. Incredible. Yes. Big fan. Very Breton. Will miss them. <laughs> Immensely. You know you can do them at home very I know, easily. I, well, you would need to, I think you'd need to find a speciality shop in Ireland to buy that like the um, oh, the, brown wheat yeah. Le Noir, oh know, that's the, actually that's a good question mm. I never try to find it abroad and I wouldn't know how to make them from scratch it's very easy well you still need to get that brown wheat yeah that's why yeah <laughs> I'm sure you can find it especially in Ireland yeah yeah no I'm sure I'm sure I just have never tried <laughs> and I, I have made them at home here and I've also eaten out in several restaurants and it's just it's great. Even though in the, the my hometown, on the con in the country market on Saturday or on Friday mornings, there is a galette stand, mm. for, and there's a guy from Brittany who makes them. Ooh. So I will definitely be visiting that this summer when I'm home and just oh, reminiscing. To taste it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And did you try any other chefs' meal? A oh, French meal. Mm. Um. Yes, I believe I have. I don't, in the more traditional kind of brasserie mm. dishes, I'm not crazy about. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even think off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm not crazy about, I'm like, yeah, mm. I would say, I'm, I'll say only positive things. I love the bakeries <laughs> and I love the galettes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Mm. Um. I wanted to know a little bit more about your life in Ireland because especially because I wasn't there during the first semester mm. I was in here so I imagine everyone has asked you a lot of questions but I don't know anything. <laughs> I did do a um, an Irish slang class that you missed. Um, we can I, go over it it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we had one last year with our last lectures. Mm. It's and always important to revise these things. Yeah, <laughs> I always forget slangs, I'm not going to lie. I'm, yeah, I feel too. like a baby when it comes to slangs, mm. especially when I'm abroad, because I tend, I mean, it depends, but I tend to speak with a very literary English sometimes. So when you're abroad and with you, when you're with people your age, they just look at you being like, what? Who is this? Yeah, <laughs> madam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even like some words, for example, to pull someone. 
I had yeah, never yeah. heard of it before. Yeah. And then we just like kiss someone and they were like, I mean, you pull the person, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes across as very formal. Exactly. Mm. But it's just, that's the French side of me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, where do you live in Ireland, in the countryside or in the city? So I, I, my family currently lives in West Cork. So it's like a, the countryside in mm. County Cork. Um, we have an expression in West Cork. Uh, West Cork is the best Cork. Um, people in that area really love West Cork. They love living there. They yeah. love that they're from there. Um, so yes, I'm very happy to have a family home there. But I did ask, actually did half of, I, I did actually do, you see what I mean about my English falling apart? <laughs> no, honestly, it's all right. I did half of my growing up in Connemara, um, in County Galway, so on the West mm. Coast. Um, and then even after I did high school in West Cork, I moved back up to Galway to do university. So I kind of, my heart is between the two areas. Yeah. So the South and the, the West. Um, yeah. Well, you said the other day that you didn't see yourself living in Galway. Is that right? Did I say that the other day? Yes, you said that in class. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the Galwegians hear me saying that. <laughs> I love Galway. My heart will, Galway will always have a piece of my heart. It is mm. just a brilliant city. Um, but I think there comes a time when you need to know when to leave yes. and it happens in lots of places, but I think in particular with small places, mm. um, and I will, I would love to go back. I still have friends there and I'll go back this summer. And if anyone ever asks me what to go do in Ireland, my answer is just going to be go to Galway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I don't think I would live there again for a long term or I wouldn't settle down there, at, at least in the city. Oh, yeah. Because you said that it was a really party city. A really which? A really party city. Oh, a party city, yeah. Yes. Yes, it can be. It can be both. Um, obviously, my experience was the student experience there. So, we yeah. did a, you know, we, we did a lot of party. I did yeah. my fair share. <laughs> Especially because I discovered how addicted to socials English native people are. Addicted to socials? Social. I don't know if you have that in Ireland. Socials every week. Like. Yeah. As in like going out. Yes. Oh, like yeah. Every week with oh. the theme most of the time. And oh, interesting. Oh, you didn't have that. I think we were a lot more casual, oh. maybe. Or maybe just in my scene, in my kind of group of friends or the, mm. the scenes of friends that I was around. But I mean, I can't. Maybe maybe there are themes. Were you in a club? Weeks. Um, not particularly. No. Uh, maybe that's why. Maybe it is club. Oh yeah, well uh, yeah, clubs would have their social nights. Every yes, week. yes, that that is true. I was kind of at a distance, you know, a, a um, by what's the word by by association, kind mm. of in friends with people in different clubs that would have socials. Oh my god, don't um, worry, <laughs> you can just that. put it on the table if you want. Yeah, I don't want to trip it up. <laughs> Cut this part out. <laughs> I, I'm not doing that because whenever I do, I don't want to really listen to it all because I, oh, I live the conversation. So, oh, so. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to those of you who have made it this far. <laughs> so you said that did, you say you were studying <laughs> French. Is that right? <laughs> so you're doing a French. You did a French <laughs> degree. Yes. Yeah. And that was how. That's how I came to Lorient. Is that my teacher, who you know, who was the oral mm. conversation teacher to me, she was one of you. I always find it hard to explain the like exchange, you know, like yes. an English 
language graduate comes to Ireland to teach French yes. and then the French language graduates come to France to teach English. It's kind of an exchange. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's, a, it's an exchange, but not a study exchange. It's the, you know... A working exchange? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that's how I even found out about this job because that class was always my mm. favourite class for, for the French part of my degree anyway. It was just so nice to come and do these fun activities and just be casual and relaxed and there isn't kind of an older professor you know scrutinizing your grammar it's Mm. just this person is essentially your age and they just want to help you kind of have some conversations do some activities and when you're doing an activity you're distracted by the fact that you are you know trying to formulate words in another language that you can kind of be a bit more free and I always just loved that and so the idea of doing that in France myself just sounded so much fun so did you enjoy it doing this job yes yes yeah I mean you look like you're you're enjoying it yes (laughs) yes. no definitely it's the in the top top reasons why I've loved this year Mm. I know you say you didn't want to answer any question about what's next I know but I out me like this (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) I was just does it so you did an undergraduate, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Four years. Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself doing a master's? Or? I have. It's it's in one of my 11 options of what's next. <laughs> yes, I am considering doing a master's. I think I would like to get back into my um, kind of area of passion, which is... Um, so I did my undergraduate in human rights and politics, sociology, that kind of stuff. Um, and I would really like to work someday in this area, in humanitarian work or also I'm really passionate about the climate mm. work and um, also the, the the intersection between these two you know how people are displaced and affected by mm. climate change um, so that is something that I kind of want to get back into because I've been kind of having a fun year off just living mm. in France and speaking French and eating croissants <laughs> <laughs> Um, which which I need you know everyone needs one of those but I think yeah next step is I'm kind of gearing myself up to investigate maybe working in that area Mm. so wait you said you your undergraduate was about human rights Mm -hmm. politics and French yes it was a big patchwork degree don't ask don't ask (laughs) no I think that's actually great yeah it was a it was um like a specialization in human rights with a normal undergraduate like mm. arts degree with French and politics okay yeah oh that's great it was very it was interesting yeah yeah I mean that's a lot because usually it's it tends to be very specialized and I think that's a shame because mm. I don't like the idea of specializing so early especially yeah so early in undergraduate yeah, yeah. that's why I mean for us it's very like English means a lot of things mm. so for us it's not that specialized but for other yeah. degrees it tends to be very specialized so yeah is it expensive to do the masters in ireland in ireland to do a master's yes um i think it can be around oh i actually really don't know like upwards of 10 grand or 12 grand i think i don't like to be honest i wasn't looking at doing a master's in ireland oh yes where were you thinking of doing it? What did I tell you okay, about okay, questions about the future? <laughs> okay, no questions about no the future. No more questions. No more questions. No comment. <laughs> no further questions. My client will not answer. <laughs> Do you see yourself coming back to France at some point? 
Okay, no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. Yeah, for sure. To live or just to be a tourist? Um, maybe to live for another stint, um, maybe somewhere else. Um, mm. I definitely am no master of French yet. And I, I'm, I will keep that in mind throughout my life. And, you know, like I would always like to come back and, you know, live mm. for a little while. And But also just to explore... There's so many different regions that I have no idea what it's like there. Yes. So I think that would be cool. And it's nice to have that little door open of like, oh, I have some basic French that I can kind of slip in and, you know, mm. start a little, even just for a summer or something. Um, it would be cool. So yeah, that, that option is always open. I think I've, I haven't been turned off France yet. <laughs> <laughs> Were you stressed out about the idea of coming here and not being completely fluent in French? Um, I wasn't stressed out of, like, I wasn't stressed out in advance about it. I think there was a period at the beginning, there was a bit of a vicious cycle that happens to people mm. when they don't speak a language where you're nervous to integrate with people because you don't speak the language, but then because you're not taking that step to integrate with people that's really not improving your language yes. <laughs> and it's this vicious cycle that you just need to embarrass yourself and get out there and make mistakes and have people not understand you and people laugh mm. at you or <sighs> constantly just reply to me in English which is yeah. it's actually funny I've developed um a very stubborn and passive-aggressive approach to um <laughs> people who exclusively reply to me in English <clears throat> where which is it isn't fair because they don't know that there's a long history of like nine months of people just exclusively replying to me mm. in English so it's not really their fault but, mm. but I take it out on them um where you know I go up to someone in life and I ask them a question in French or they ask me a question and I reply in French and they can hear my accent or they hear that I've you know messed up a gender or something And so they instantly decide that this is now a conversation in English. Mm. And that's fine. But then it gets to a point where they've decided that it's a conversation in English. Yeah. But they don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and so they just kind of stop and they're kind of humming and hawing and saying, oh, I'm sorry, how do I say this? And I'm kind of standing there like, well, you can say it in French if you want. <laughs> And it's just, it's so interesting. Um, yeah, that's definitely been a little bit frustrating. Or we just enter into a, a mm. battle, a, a silent kind of battle where I'm speaking French, they're speaking in English, mm. I'm replying in French, they're <laughs> replying in English. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, it's not very encouraging, but I understand people, they don't have time to, you know, talk to a foreigner and try and understand what they're saying. I think they do have time. I think some of them take the opportunity to practice, to practice English. English. Exactly. Yeah. So because we don't really have the opportunity here, mm. especially in Lyon. Mm. So I mean apart from us because we're studying English. But like do you have did you manage to speak French a lot? Yes, I had to really go out of my way though because obviously mm. my main connection to most of the the 200 people in my life are my students and so <laughs> They all constantly speak to me in English, which is good because 90% of that is in class. Um, and then just by virtue of who I am and the general circles that I've initially integrated in, there's mm. some English speakers and people who are like, wait, are you from? Oh, I'm from. And, you know, that's very natural. And so initially it was, I did kind of have to have a sit down with myself and kind of tell myself, okay, Grace, 
you you need to get out there and uh. find French-speaking people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's definitely been kind of more so the work of the second semester, um, which I think is fine because, guys, the train to van is leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think we can hear it with a mic. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, now I sound stupid. There's a train passing by the window. No, no, it doesn't sound stupid. It's just... <laughs> it's the background noises. Yes, it's the... <laughs> immersive podcast um what was I saying oh yeah just that sitting with yourself oh yeah just kind of telling myself Mm. you have to get out there and make French friends and tell them that you don't speak English (laughs) (laughs) my friend did that she she lived in Calais for like four months she was volunteering at the Mm. refugee camp and she lived in a house of 10 people and she just had she made this decision to tell them I th- I can't remember did she tell them she was Icelandic or did she tell them that she's from Ireland but they only speak Irish in Ireland or she did she made some sort of gamble that they wouldn't have yes. a cultural knowledge of some one particular place and that they would just assume that oh okay so the only common language is French that mm. works and then that worked wonders for her they only spoke to her in French and her French was amazing afterwards but um I don't have the, the cockiness to do that. I feel like you have to believe your life very strongly. Yes, and I'm not a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I wanted to do the same when I was in Scotland mm-hmm. because my, some of my, um, like we had kitchen mates and four of them were French. And when I mm-hmm. heard them talking in French, I was like, I'm not talking in French. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend I'm an English person or at least not French. But I, I can't. I think you could get away with it. I think I could. You have a great ha- accent. Oh, thank it's very you. Posh. Oh, is it? <laughs> you know, they are like three months ago. I was at a club, and one Scottish person came to me and was like, "You sound very English. You sound very British." And I was like, "Oh, thank you. That's lovely." And oh, he told me, "No, in Scotland, <laughs> no, no, it's not." Yeah. But some of my friends tell me that I have a very mixed accent because sometimes I sound French and sometimes I just sound Scottish all of a sudden, mm. and sometimes very British. So, mm. one of the funniest outing myself now one of the funniest things that I one of the little pleasures that I enjoy Mm. it as a teacher as your teacher or you guys' teacher Mm. is when there's particular students with accents like yourself that you've just picked up these very just like um distinctive accents from a region Mm. sometimes American sometimes British it's fine it's normal um and it's nice as well I love and it just kind of makes me second guess my reality a little bit when I hear you packing up your bags and leaving the room and talking to each other in French. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, stop. Luan speaks French? <laughs> obviously you're French. But in my mind, it's it's so jarring because you have such a like English accent mm. that in my head it's like, oh, wow, she speaks French too. It's like, no, Grace, she is French. <laughs> And it's the same for a few students that have these really strong accents. Yeah. Strong in a, you know, distinctive mm. to an English speaking place. Um, it's a good sign. Well done. Thank you. I take <laughs> you it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually very, it used to be very weird for me to switch back to French, especially after I came back from Scotland. Mm. And even these days, I know that <clears throat> oh, that's a good thing because my flatmate, Julien, understands English perfectly. So sometimes I'm just going to talk to him in English because it's more comfortable for me. Yeah, really... <laughs> took that step to the other side yes that's cool I kind of we kind of have very bilingual conversations all the time and it's very funny when I talk to him in English and he answers back in French Mm. and it's just we have those conversations but I yeah it's always very weird 
to switch back to French and mm. then switch back to English. And now I feel like my brain kind of has the two. It's probably very good for your brain. I think so. Yeah. Especially because I want to do translation and interpreting. Mm. So I think that's... Oh, yeah. And especially, yeah, working on those neurological muscles yeah. of switching, especially for interpreting, because you have to do it all so quickly. Yeah. And when I was in... I remember when I, I used to translate for my other kitchen mates who were Spanish. So I would do the translation between French and Spanish, wow. but in English. Mm. And so my brain was like on fire because I had to be like, okay, I listened to in English and I switched back to French and I had to translate so quickly. And mm. it's, it's very hard. It is. But at the mm. same time, it's so, you're so proud of yourself yeah. after that. You're like, yeah, I did it. Definitely. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is it weird for you? To have, I don't know, for example, the fact that you're in my flat, even though you're supposed to be my teacher. Oh, yes. I, well, I mean, we have two weeks of classes left, so yeah. I think we can let go of that. <laughs> um, and also, well, in my, how do I put this? I'm 23. Yes. I'm not that much older than you guys. Just one year older than me. And, you know, I think for the first semester, I kind of, as soon as someone stands at the top of the room behind a desk, it mm. adds five years onto them. You instantly think that they have yes. this authority, they're this person that knows mm. more than me. I remember telling a first year, or it came up, my age came up, and they were so shocked that I wasn't an, like an old woman. 30 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's just something about the person at the top of the room yeah. that instantly there's this divide, which is important, especially for establishing... Mm. It's kind of fine with um, older students, but with kind of younger students that are just out of secondary school and they're kind of just mm. adapting to the idea of independent learning at university, they still kind of need someone to tell them, no, you have to do the activity now, you know, this kind of thing. It is important to have that divide a little bit uh, or that kind of barrier at least, but that has definitely um broken down slightly and no. I definitely have some good pals <laughs> <laughs> that are... Um, maybe my students <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's actually great even for me I was so <clears throat> nervous about asking you to do really? this podcast just because in my mind you are one of our lecturers mm. so in my mind I was stuck with the fact that you there was some kind of hierarchy yeah even yeah. though you're just one year older than me yeah so exactly. technically you don't really care yeah it's I think it's also very French because of the prepositions we used with our lecturers, oh, the fact yeah. that we say vous. Yeah. So. But we don't even have that because we don't speak in French. Yeah, exactly. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I completely understand that there is just that psychological divide. And it makes yeah. sense. I literally, I'm your teacher. And oh, it's very funny, especially, I keep referring to younger students, but I just think they have the biggest reactions and it's mm. very funny. Um, Like when they see me in a pub. And I remember once I was sitting in the kind of near the doorway of a pub and five of my students walked in but like one by one like you know in a line so I got to see each of their individual reactions when mm. their jaw dropped and they put a hand over their mouth and they were and then they would turn around to the person behind them and say Grace is here <laughs> and then I could see all of their reactions it was so funny because it's like I don't sleep in the school did you ever <laughs> think that about your teachers in primary no. school I used to think that they lived in the school really yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is kind of funny to be on the other side of it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird? I know it would be weird for me 
to have that divide and at the same time be like I want to be because I'm I'm a selling instructor during the summer mm -hmm. so sometimes obviously I'm going to teach people who are going to be the same age as me mm. and it's always weird I, I don't really know how to act with them yeah yeah I think yeah. it's just because at this stage in our life we've never had the experience of being taught by someone like the same age or younger mm. than us because all we have has been primary school secondary school and usually university everyone is generally going to be a good deal old, older than you mm. and so it is just that turning point where especially with instructional classes as we get older there's going to be people who are instructing us that are either mm. the same age or younger than us and um, but I think also the older you get oh, I'm saying this like I'm ancient but <laughs> the older you get the more you can make the critical choice in your mind to mm. not see that barrier and just understand this is a person who knows things and they want to tell me yes. these things and it's not just this is a powerful person who is in charge of me <laughs> you know but sometimes it is so uh, how can I say that when you grew up being taught that you had to always have this divide mm, and this barrier respect it's and, very yeah. hard to deconstruct yes, it yes definitely I it's, think it just will happen naturally as yeah time goes on because when you're yeah when even in university you kind of the relationship with your lecturers in university is completely different well I found it was completely mm. different and especially as you got older in the the later years like in fourth year like you'd be again friendly with teach well I found that anyway maybe it's a different divide in France especially because of that la language mm. divide you're always kind of referring to them as a more upper on a hierarchy Especially because we call them by their, by their last names, mm. which I don't know about Ireland, but I know that in Scotland, you just use the first name yes, for your like lectures. It's the same in Ireland, yeah. So it changes everything. Mm. The first time I had to talk to one of my lecturers in Scotland, I was so panicked yeah. because I was like, John, oh my goodness, I can't say that. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so rude of me. <laughs> Even the emails, we are so, I don't know if you noticed that, but we are so... Um, I, um, official mm, in our formal, emails yeah. Yeah, formal like we say um, best regards mm. uh, dear missus I don't know mm. whatever name and it's just there they just say hi Luan yeah. how are you well that's how I email my students when I get in touch with you I'm just yes. like hi guys xoxo smiley face see you next week <laughs> but I feel like it kind of builds down the barrier which is mm. great and comfortable yeah especially I mean I, I can't say for other classes but especially for a language conversation class when yes. the whole point of my presence there really I'm not mm. teaching you guys much all I'm trying to do is facilitate a nice environment where you feel like you can have a chat and that's mm. literally it and so if you suddenly think that I'm this big scary teacher who's listening to you and criticizing you and all this type of stuff then you kind of clam up and you get a bit nervous and it's harder um so I think that for for, for my role anyway I, I have spent most of my time trying to make people feel comfortable and just <laughs> happy to sit around and have a chat and it's I spend so much time telling people to stop asking me, can they go to the bathroom? <laughs> I'm like, just go. I don't care. Yeah, but <laughs> even like the fact that we have, we were taught for years and years and years that we have to raise our hands before speaking in mm. class. And I know that. Yes. And that, 
thank you for saying that because that makes so much sense now because whenever I just throw out a question and people look at me like I have five heads yes like is anyone gonna say anything and then someone puts up their hand and I'm like you don't need to put up your hand and they're like oh I'm sorry okay yeah but it's just so hard to deconstruct it in the UK Mm. when the teacher would ask a question and would just look at us and go on talk Mm. and now I felt panic yeah. <laughs> because I was like, I wanted to raise my hand and he would, he would tell me, no, stop raising your hand, just, just talk. Just say something, yeah. And it's just, it's not natural for us. Mm. It's, we have this kind of order and respect and barrier that we have with mm. the teacher, so. Yeah, which is uh, necessary to an extent, uh, but not to, to an unhelpful extent. If it isn't actually helping the class continue or the people learn um, then it's just especially in your class because we have to talk a lot yeah yeah we do (laughs) I love it whenever you ask a question and everyone looks at you being like should we talk should we not talk (laughs) yeah I've gotten to a point where I just have to make jokes about it now and I like will turn to one person and be like did I do I have something on my face (laughs) can you guys hear me (laughs) no it's it's great I'm No, I really, I will miss my classes. Do you see yourself being a lecturer or a teacher someday? I don't know. I think I really enjoy working with a group of people. And I think I, something about it comes naturally. Mm. Um, And so I wouldn't rule it out. I definitely think I need to go away and learn more things before I can be (laughs) a proper teacher. Um, Because obviously... Like the phonetics. (laughs) Don't eat. I can't. I can't say what I want to say right now on online. So you know you can. <laughs> I just say explicit content. <laughs> I... No. <laughs> no. 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 <clears throat> yes, but there was no training. Okay. Um. Anyway. Anyway, let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's not talk about that. Um. But no. Yeah, I think. Yeah. A bit long way down the road I think I wouldn't rule out mm. doing teaching again I think it's fun with people our age or younger people as well I think people your age yeah my friend just started teaching in a primary school and obviously a primary school is very different but um mm. she she had yeah she's she's struggling a little bit with the intellectual stimulation <laughs> it's hard especially yeah. with new generations yes because they're not as curious as they used to be oh my god you sound like such a boomer i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) especially because my mom is a primary school teacher okay so we talk about this a lot yeah and i just i noticed it with my younger cousins as well Mm. even though they're quite curious but still like we didn't have any phone back then (laughs) back back in the day i know back in the good old days now they do very Mm. young actually yeah but (laughs) That's no. a topic for another day. <laughs> All right, I think we're actually nearing the end of our episode. Oh my God. Wow. It's done. It's happened. Oh my goodness. But I still have one question left. Oh my goodness. Which is the signature question. <gasps> what does home mean to you? And where is it if you have one? I love that question. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's such a nice feeling to think about. I know. I think home to me is it can be it can be so many different things but I think just to be surrounded by people who Mm. you can be comfortable around and also the sea is home 
also my bed <laughs> people have said their bed a lot yeah, yeah. This is, it's your little sanctuary yeah yeah but I think mostly the a community community to me is home and I think that can be anywhere and I think you can find that anywhere and I think mm. that's something that's really exciting to me about the world at large um is just that you know I've done it once I've done it twice you can just go somewhere and find a community or make one or become part part of one and that can be your home away from home um mm. and so I think that's both home to me and also just really exciting to me about the world and yeah. going into this next stage but is it hard finding a community I it's yeah definitely there's a lot of trial and error I think and I think mm. you know even in Uh, when I lived in Galway and I think I had a great community there by the time I was leaving I had really just the, the I, at my opinion at the time the best people in the whole world mm. um, but that you know that was an instant it doesn't just come overnight it you know took many years of meeting different people and being in different circles that are really fun and fulfilling but just missing something and then suddenly just one extra thing clicks into place and you look around and you're just mm. surrounded by this amazing scene of people um and I think having had that experience I think it has given me the patience and the knowledge to know that it isn't just a light switch it doesn't mm. just happen overnight and um yeah yeah and I think also it doesn't have to be this big overwhelming you know, massive family that you can, mm. you know, because when I lived in Galway, I couldn't walk down the street for two minutes without bumping into someone that I knew and accidentally going for a coffee with someone. And, you know, oh, it took great. so long to get a hundred meters down the road. Like it yeah. was just that real <laughs> feeling. Um, and that is great. And there's a time and a place for that. But sometimes it's a little community. It's like a small mm. little network of people just that, you know, have your back and yeah. just that feeling. And I think... That I think I finally have that in Lorient now, Ooh. which is really nice knowing leaving. Like that there's just people that I think for the rest of my life I can probably call up and mm. just say, Hey, um, how's it going? How's your life? <laughs> I have to tell you about this crazy thing. Yeah. And that just is is really nice. People with whom you can just be yourself in yeah. a way. Yeah. Which does not happen often. Mm. I mean it depends. I feel like in French we have that um difference between but and ami. Mm. and yeah, yeah. you have those people that you know mm. you're going to say hi you're going to hug them and everything yeah. but the people you're going to call whenever something bad happens mm. there's a huge difference between them yeah yeah definitely mm. all right well that was really interesting thank you very much for answering to all my questions yeah this is fantastic <laughs> oh great yeah no, this was very fun thank you for having me what you're an welcome. honor to be here Everyone says that. I yes, love it. I forgot to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you, you beautiful people, for listening to that podcast. And see you on another episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.